0: It's actually weird starting a podcast without mentioning State Farm, but we're going to uh, see them back in September. So there you go. That was a weird run because we didn't always have those unexpected outcomes because we had uh, no outcomes for a really long time. But we've got basketball. We've got playoff basketball. Day two of a little later release today because we have a good plan. Seth Curry, who we taped with prior to their game one loss against the Clippers, he joins us from the Mavs in the bubble. And Todd McShay, who has a really interesting piece out on ESPN, where just the 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 unintended, I don't even know if it's unintended, but the things that could be happening could be in play for the NFL draft. He has half of his first round that it was projected that he doesn't think is going to play any games. Um, and then he even has some ideas on what you could possibly do to try to get this, um, I don't know, tape or, or just any kind of showcase to have these guys out there. But good luck with that. Uh, the NBA has only asked really good players to play one-on-one or 2 and 2 in team facility workouts, and no one ever does that stuff. So... I don't know. I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know if the football mentality will kick in on that one. So we got McShay, we got Seth Curry. We'll do a little life advice. This one's a little bit more lighthearted at the end. We got some heavy ones, not to say, but I just, I don't know. I just don't want to, I'll I'll go ahead and do some of those. But, you know, again, I'm just to do with a podcast here. So if you've got real major issues, maybe I'm not the guy for you. Anyway, uh, first thing is Orlando. Yes, not the bubble your Orlando magic. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks 122-110 today, and it felt real the whole time. And I, I know that that sounds crazy, and here is my position where we had the time off from basketball, and then it felt like people were in a hurry to try to figure out outcomes that wouldn't make sense, and that's exactly what you're going to have now, is, well, there's no home court, Orlando. It's still an Orlando team that was 33-40, and 40. I don't think they should be up double digits for an entire game on the Milwaukee Bucks, but the Bucks' concerns are the same all the time. And that is, is Giannis defended differently in a playoff game? And yet, look, he's still at 31 and 17 and seven today. So it wasn't like he sucked. He was three from seven from outside, but it's on Chris Middleton. Middleton had 14 points. He's 412. And anytime you do a kind of eye roll, hey, Chris Middleton, is he really underrated? Okay, wh- what do we. What are we actually asking? Are we asking if he's a guy that can carry a team or be a one? None of us are saying that. Are are we saying that he probably has a game that almost isn't appreciated enough? And then you look at the big numbers and the three-point shooting, you're like, all right, this is incredible. But if you do look at his previous four playoff years, six games, six games, seven games, that was a seven-game loss to the Celtics two years ago. That series is the only time Middleton's really put up Numbers where you're thinking, this is guys, this is a guy that's going to absolutely carry this team. Um, and I don't mean carry it again in the sense that he's going to be the number one go-to guy, to be honest. But every now and then, I don't care who you are, you can't do this by yourself. And you need that second guy to be somebody you can rely on a little bit. And for three of the four playoff years that Middleton has had, it's been underwhelming. Uh, at 23 years old, because ah, whatever, it was five years ago, it's not a big deal. Um, 16 a game. Shot it uh, poorly for three from him. And then 15 a game three years ago in the playoffs. um, I'm trying to remember who they lost to. They lost to the Raptors in that one. And then last year, they have the deep playoff run. But he was at 17 a game. Uh, His three-point shooting was really good, 44%. But at 17 a game, I think he needs to be more than that. And it's not a game one. people. Like I still would be shocked if the Orlando Magic were to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. But despite the historic kind of regular season numbers, which I believe in, in that, hey, this, is, this point differential is like a real deal here. Uh, I think anytime you look at the Bucks and there's that, mm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure part of it. And that maybe that's what we should have always done. Maybe we should have always been more open-minded to some of the other teams that are coming out of the East. But I didn't think like bad ones were going to come out of the East. I mean, you can, the Sixers situation right now is the same old thing. And when you have Alec Burks like taking big shots down the stretch and Embiid wasn't getting the ball, that turned into a thing again. Um, but I, I would also say, like, a lot of times when Embiid gets a long time to set up in the post, he's not great with the ball. And I think Brett Brown even had acknowledged it. Like, sometimes in the post, Embiid can, when he starts to turn away from the double, but then is into traffic defensively people will get in there and get a hand in there um you know even this pacers run that was great with tj warren you know i don't i don't think i'm going to pick him against the miami heat so uh it's maybe maybe with toronto this this whole thing is a little bit more wide open but i'm not going to freak out i mean toronto lost the magic last year at the beginning of their series and they won an nba title so um but the middleton thing i think is a legit concern and he needs to be kind of like 25 a night for them with Giannis putting up mass massive numbers. And Milwaukee continues uh, from the bubble to have this, this tendency. And we, we saw it before that, but it was definitely something that was brought up more and more. Um, people hit a decent number of threes against them. And Fournier didn't do anything. Vucevic was terrific. Terrence Ross is really good. Augustine is just steady. Uh, he's not a superstar, but it was a weird loss, weird loss for that team. Uh, the other games mentioned Boston. I thought they were the better team the whole time. And it got close there a little bit at the end, but now no Gordon Hayward for four weeks. That's a that's a huge deal. I mean, he's he's still probably their fourth best player, but it's a big deal because he'd had these moments where if somebody else is off, uh, then he could he could pick it up for you because he's that kind of scorer. And Payton looked incredible uh, in their first game against Philadelphia. Other games, the Clippers one was weird to be down that big to the Mavs. Doncic, another one of those insane. Games, you're like, where is this guy's ceiling? But for Brazingas to be thrown out, especially it being the back to back technicals where it wasn't like he was thrown out for the confrontation, he just it was his second technical. Uh, and Steve Javi agreed with it. No breaking news on that one that Javi thought it was the right call. Uh, I don't know. I, I would love, he came to push Morris, who you knew was going to mess with Doncic. And Doncic isn't having it with anybody. And Doncic's kind of. T- twirled away at, at Morris and then porzingis comes over and he pushes him and it's a second technical, and he's out of the game. But uh Paul George was great to close and that was really kind of the difference. Even though Doncic he had a play against Kawhi where he went at Kawhi and shouldered Kawhi in the chest and got Kawhi off of his body. Like he bullied Kawhi Leonard on a drive and the end of this game, all their offense was Doncic going, I can get a layup every single time against this team, even with these wing defenders. And that's, that's scary, man. That was, like, really scary. I'd be curious to see how much sooner he goes to that. But with no Porzingis, he didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, the other games, Raptors, Nets, exactly what you'd expect. And really, Donovan Mitchell, 57 points, but a backcourt violation that's unacceptable. And what I loved about that game for Denver said Jamal Murray moments. Okay, where are we? Where he was unbelievable in overtime and closing out that game. Like he was the guy and and Jokic was totally fine deferring to him the whole time. So that I think if you're a Denver Nuggets fan, not to say that Jamal Murray hasn't had big games in the past, but that's just, just a great, just a great start for him in this playoff series to get that going again. Because I still think the Jazz can hang with the Nuggets. i are probably not going to pick them. And Conley will be back after the birth of his son. So uh, there you go. A little uh, day one and day two wrap-up. And this will be released uh, before the later games on day two. Before we get to Todd McShay, as the original light beer. Miller Light has always been there to bring people together through Miller Time. But in a world where you can't always be with your people, Miller Time might be a moment on a Zoom call, a quick porch beer with your neighbors, or... Masking up for a socially distanced hangout outside. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Right now, enjoying a Miller light with friends looks different for everyone, but staying connected is just as important. Had a couple of Miller times for the UFC fight. Uh, enjoyed that one. Was not surprised to see Miocic win, um, even though Cormier, just a soldier, hung in the entire time. From online happy hours to socially distanced picnics, Every 500-piece puzzle in between, we're enjoying new ways of spending time with our friends. Um, so Miller Light was like, hey, what's something that you and your friends are enjoying when it's Miller time? Something new that you're doing and something new that we're doing is... Um, we basically try to pick the worst profession for the rest of us. Like, what if you... We're a farmer. Would you be good at that? The answer's probably no. And then you'd say to somebody else, like, you're a dumb guy. You'd be a bad accountant. Oh, okay. And then we just kind of go around the table or the zoom call. And we try to get a consensus best occupation for that person who we think would be the worst possible fit. For me, daycare is probably one of the ones that would jump off the top of my mind. Again, though, I do like kids. So it wouldn't be that it would just be. I don't know that I get a ton of uh, clients. They'd be like, "What? That guy's got his own daycare? That's weird." Um I'm trying to think, Kyle. What would be? You would be bad at. Well, I don't really do this anymore. I wouldn't trust you to develop my film. Yeah, I'm fine. I wouldn't trust. Sorry, you to do anything like. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. you'd be a bad personal trainer. So, do you? I feel like you kind of just want to do your own thing. I don't feel like you're not really uh, around for these stragglers. But that's just me. I don't know. I've
1: never seen you in the zone. But I feel like you'd be like, "Is this guy f- serious?" Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. I'm not. Even, I'm not insulted. That's that's fine. Um, so Miller Lite, great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this summer. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLight.com/rr and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Pumped to have my friend Todd McShay, ESPN draft analyst, uh, with us on the pod, because you had your least favorite piece of your entire career, the too early mock draft that we've been over a million times. You hate doing it. But you had another piece that talked about some of the challenges about what we could be even looking at here with the draft. So what are, what are you hearing? How much of a free-for-all could this become, depending on all the different versions of college football we may or may not have this year?
1: Right. Well, first of all, we have to find out what what's going to go on with the Big Twelve, SEC, and, and ACC. As as we sit here today, I'm told by every executive that I talk to, everyone in in college football, we're playing ball. Like those three conferences, throw throw everything out the medical, all the issues, and we're, we're going to play football. Now, will we finish football? Is the bigger question. Like that's that's. What everyone's talking about We're going to start. We're probably going to start on the 12th of September, but will we finish it? So long short, just like focusing completely on the draft picture, like, so you're going into your final year and you know, you're bigger and stronger and faster and you've worked your whole life and you're finally getting an opportunity to like be the starter at Alabama at corner or the starter at corner at Ohio state, like Sean Wade, Sean Wade's a great example. He is going to be the next in line to be a top 10, top 15 pick coming out of Ohio state, but he, he sat behind a bunch of first round picks. Yeah. Jalen Waddle from Alabama is a great example. He was the number four target for Alabama last year. And the, the two guys that went ahead of him and left this year were top 10 picks in the NFL draft. You know, uh, Henry Ruggs. And, and after that, Jerry Judy. So some of these guys are in a situation like they're good enough to be a first round pick. They're good enough to make 20, 30 million dollars guaranteed money over a four year contract. And they're sitting there saying, "Ah, like this is my year to finally be the guy to finally show that I can make that money, to finally get my family out of debt, to pay bills, to like change my, my family over like, Two or three generations, right? And now the coronavirus comes in, and there might not be football in the fall. And so, for like for teams in the in the Pac-12 and in the Big Ten, they're trying to figure out what to do in in the spring. And I, Ryan, I, it's just not going to work. Okay, like you can have spring football. That's fine. If you want to do that, go ahead, do it. But I'm telling you right now based off of everything I know and everyone I've talked to, I write down any name you want. Think about anyone who's important in college football. Think about anyone that you're sitting on your couch, having a beer, doing whatever you're doing and, and like excited about watching a game. Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback, uh, Travis Etienne, the, the running back from Clemson, uh, the Alabama wide receivers, Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. I just mentioned Waddle. Uh, uh, Justin Fields, the Ohio, the Ohio State quarter, but any big-name player you're thinking about who's draft eligible, cross him off. He's not playing. Because it doesn't make any sense to play a season. And I don't, I don't care, and I've seen the proposals. I've seen the December through late February early March I've seen the January through late March I've seen the February through April like none of it works and it's not because they have to like run 40s and jump verticals or any of that stuff right the problem is the human body is not set up to play in six eight ten uh game spring season, spring games in right. yeah, spring games and then have to go First of all, like a couple weeks later, or maybe a month later, have to go to rookie training camp, and then training camp in August and, and July, in early August, and then have to play another sixteen game season. So you're talking about if some of these guys could play twenty six games in like nine months. It just doesn't work. So I know, I know there are a lot of players there, and I love the fact that we want to play the whole movement. But when they like take a step back from all of this what's going to happen is their parents agents people talking to them are going to say it's not it's not rational and so I, I what I think is easily just erase all those top players and then I think there's going to be about a hundred players talking about like first through four rounds that say I'm opting out I don't I, I can't put my body through that it's the upside's not worth the risk if I get injured and, and and then even if I don't get injured, if I go into training camp and I'm, I'm fatigued, I'm not ready to go, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and I'll say this, I would advise any player that gets a, a recommendation from, from the NFL saying you're going to be a first or second round draft pick, absolutely do not play in the spring. And even if you think you're going to be a mid-round pick, and I would never say this before, you've. You and I have talked about it a thousand times. I would never say this to any player who didn't get from the advisory committee of the NFL a first or second round draft grade. I would still tell you, like, if you think you're third, fourth round, don't play. Don't play in the spring. And it's all really all about the spring.
0: Okay, so your, your whole thing, what you just said, is, is, is spring-based. You don't think that impacts – Whatever version of the fall, like, do you still have an open mind about the fall? Because even though we can make all the SEC jokes, I still almost have to see that ball in the air on a Saturday night before I'm like saying, all right, this is definitely happening. And that your your intel is telling you that it's they're at least going to try and that that draft class of people that are playing in the fall conferences are probably still going to play ball.
1: Yeah, go play. Absolutely. Trevor Lawrence, if we're playing in the fall, he's, he's going to play and he yeah. should play. So, it, so, you know, we look at it big picture and all the different conferences, but they you got to understand, like they're in that bubble. They're in that that mindset of like, I'm with my teammates. I got to play in the fall and, and I'm going I'm moving forward as if nothing else has happened. And so like, I, I would recommend that every single prospect play in the fall. Don't play in the spring. That would be my whole speech. It would be real simple. Play in the fall, don't play in the spring. And uh, and I expect that they will. And, again, I, like the ACC is like a dog with a bone. They're going to play. And the same with the SEC. And the Big 12 seems to be, from again, from people I'm talking to, hanging on because they can't imagine watching the SEC and ACC playing. And then the schools like Texas and Oklahoma – How do we justify this if they're playing that we don't? So I I think these three conferences are very likely at this point to start the season, and then we'll see what happens.
0: How many of your first-round picks that you would, you know, you're 1 through 32, how many are playing as of now? Is it half? uh,
1: It's brutal, man. Um, Right now, I'll just go through the top 10. Five of the top 10 are from the – the Pac-12 and the Big Big Ten and then I've got another guy who was oh um Gregory Rousseau the defensive end from Miami has already opted out so you're talking about six of the top 10 that are not going to play football this fall not going to play football at all this season very likely and so now as a general manager and I've talked to a bunch of GMs recently just because I've been curious like how are you going to change scouting? How, like, how does everything change? What what do you try to do? It's so hard to look at a player and say, yeah, he, in 2019, he was great. Russo, he had 15 and a half sacks. He, he projects to be a first round pick, but the tape says, I'd love to see more consistency in terms of his get off. And I'd love to see him, you know, improve his array of pass rush moves. He's great with his arm over, but you see, have the club and the rip and all those sorts of things. And so like it's gonna make it really difficult. And what the, the thing that's that sucks, to be honest with you, is that let's say right now, Rousseau's opted out, but right behind him is the uh the Wake Forest defensive end Carlos Basham, who's opting to play. Now Basham goes out and plays and gets better. But Rousseau opted out, or any of these guys for that matter. Yeah, And, and now you're, just, you're more comfortable because I saw them play. I know they're in game shape. I know like, the structure is still there. And some, like you look at these players, it could be 15, 17 months from when you've seen them play a competitive football game to when they're going to play their first game in their rookie season. And, and that's, that's tough to make those decisions as a GM.
0: Yeah, because I've always looked at, well, clearly the quarterbacks. Like Matt Barkley is a great example. If Matt Barkley had come out a year earlier, he's a top 10 pick. And then all of a sudden it's, okay. So that's, that's such a massive drop-off to drop like 100 the, spots. Like that doesn't the happen bigger in thing,
1: <laughs> it's The bigger point. thing, right? Is, is like look at, look at the last few drafts. Like Joe Burrow, I had a fifth-round grade on. Fifth a year round.
0: ago, right.
1: like right now a year ago i had a fifth round grade on and i was and i was nice i have so i've been saying this on tv and i've had a couple guys from the league text me like dude you're lying you're full you're full of you know what like there's no way you had a fifth like we had a free agent grade on him he wasn't even worth. like how did you even have that so fifth fifth round was a generous August grade a year. Ago.
0: So wait, they were mad because they think you're lying. Yeah, and you were too you high, high had, on them.
1: Yeah, because I, I I was bumping it up to make myself look better. Like listen, fifth round, seventh round, or undrafted free agent. You're making a few hundred thousand dollars if you make the team. You know, like and then you get them. You know, the league minimum. He won. He made. I don't have it in front of me, but I read it earlier this summer six uh four years i think it was 36 million and then 24 and a half in, in terms of the uh the, the fifth year All right yeah no not even the fifth year so let's put it this way over four years he made over 30 million dollars versus what he would have gotten if he was drafted a year ago think about that and then kyler murray was going to be an oakland a, right
0: Yeah, I mean he'd be playing baseball.
1: He was gonna be in Oakland A. It took until mid October with NFL scouts coming back and saying, Damn, this guy's gotta play. This guy's gotta play in the league. And for for Lincoln Riley to start telling him, you can play at this level. And I remember sitting down with Lincoln and be like, Hey, Kyler's going to, to Major League Baseball, right? And my buddy Pete Woodfork, who I grew up with, since we were four years old, we've been friends and he works in the major league baseball offices. He's like, Yeah, Kyler's coming to play. Like he's got he signed for I think it was 9 million with the Oakland A's. I, don't even waste your time. I had NFL scouts from that area, from the Southwest saying, you know, he's, he's still an underclassman. He's, um, he's definitely going to play baseball. So we're, we're just not going to do the work on it now. We'll, we'll get back to it next year if he decides to play college football again. And then he's the first-round pick. And then the year before that was Baker Mayfield. I had a third-round grade on him, and he's the first overall pick. The point of the story is the last three first overall picks – were they had they were so far off the radar in terms of getting that number one overall money and they've all made 30 plus million in a four year contract and so what hurts is knowing that there are guys out there that could get in the first round and there always are that can get in the first round that don't have a chance to go out there and prove that they've gotten bigger they've gotten a better opportunity and they're ready to be that guy
0: yeah, that's a great reminder. I mean it's a great reminder on just how <laughs> how far away these guys are. and you're right. It was 24 million and guaranteed, but the uh the 5th year option um, would be a lot more than than what he's making. Yeah. on uh, on the 36 million for Borough, first right? four years. For Burrow. Yeah, for Burrow. Okay, yeah. so then you were proposing some stuff that I actually thought was kind of smart, but yet we still feel like it's a bit of a free for all on maybe doing some showcase stuff for yep. players, uh, I th- the first thing I thought of when I read that, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. The second thing I thought of was you can't get an NBA guy to shoot free throws in an empty gym if he's a high pick. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, nobody wants to do anything for anyone to maybe hurt their draft status. I don't know if it'd be a football mentality thing, but are teams talking about doing something like that, knowing full well none of the players have to do any of it?
1: So here, here's the, the whole thing. When when we, we had the Big Ten and Pac-12 say that they were going to postpone their, their season or may, maybe cancel it, I started thinking like, all right, these, and I don't know why I, I feel badly or like I'm just, I'm so invested in these players. I spent so, so many hours watching them, reading their backgrounds and their medical checks and getting to know some of them. I just, I know where a lot of the guys have come from. I know where a lot of these guys like what they've had to do to get where they are. And I just, I have a great appreciation for them. And so I looked at it and I started thinking, all right, what, what can we do? Because if you're, all right, if, if you're going out to get a job in finance, right? Your resume is, where'd you go to college? Uh, where, where's, what's your degree? Uh, did you have an internship? All those things. Your resume as a football player and going to the NFL is your tape. That's your baseline. Okay. Now, there's character information, there's there's, uh, medical information, but your baseline is what you've put on tape. So there are so many guys like Joe Burrow and these quarterbacks, and we could go on and on about players who deserve to be in the first round but didn't have a chance to show it until their final year, that are losing out on this opportunity. So I called Jim Nagy after I started brainstorming, and I literally was pacing up and down in my apartment. And I'm home alone because my family is at the beach. and And I'm just like, "What can we do? How can we supplement the tape and get them a better opportunity? And the first thing I thought of, not the combine. The combines great for what you know what it's worth for the medical and the character stuff, and you get the confirmation of the forty and those sorts of things. But the most important thing that I get in terms of the the pre-draft process, from the second that national championship is over till the draft, that first night, I, nothing more do I benefit from from the three practices in, uh, in Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. It just, forget the game. The game's good, and i watched that too. But the practices, it's cornerback versus wide receiver, press man, one-on-one. Like, Let's actually see this like, kid from, um, you know, from Louisiana, Lafayette, going up against an Alabama wide receiver. Like, can he, does he actually run a four or five in, in pads, and like the speed? And can he turn and run with these guys? Or does he look great on tape because he's going up, with, up against a bunch of guys that aren't that good? Tackles versus defensive ends. Guards versus defensive tackle. Linebackers covering uh, running backs. Those sorts of things are amazing tools in terms of evaluating players. And you only get two and a half days of that in Mobile. So what I proposed to Jim Nagy, who's the executive director of the um, of the Senior Bowl, and I worked with him when I was an intern coming out of college, and we've been friends for twenty years now, is expanding it. Like I would love to see three weeks, maybe only two weeks, whatever it is, creating a bubble in in Mobile, and it all like obviously depends on what's going on with the coronavirus and and all that. But like giving it's so everyone wins if this happens. The players get an opportunity, if they want to, to go and showcase what they can do. The evaluators from NFL teams who are missing out on all this tape that is usually part of like If you're a teacher grading a, a, you know, a, a student over a course of a semester, you want the quizzes, the tests, the participation, all that stuff. Like they're losing a huge part of their evaluation and their job's on the line. So now they get a little bit more to work off of. And then TV gets involved. And that's the part that, you know, I'm involved in, but to me, like there's something to be gained. And beyond what I wrote in that article on ESPN.com, I've talked to a couple people from some of the, from two of the biggest corporations in America. And they want to talk about having four to six game pre-draft showcase season, something along those lines. And I've, I have calls scheduled in the next 10 days with, with one of them in three days and one of them in nine days about investing and trying to put it on TV and doing all that. So people are interested and I, I don't care about anything. I just want these guys to go out and be able to show what they can do and I want evaluators to be able to evaluate properly and not lose their job or not feel like they're, they're, like, they're chasing something that isn't there.
0: Hey man, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to do this and I know, did they give you a TV schedule or no?
1: No. So I lost, I lost my crew from last year. Greasy and Levy graduated to Monday Night Football. <laughs> McDonough, you know what? Now that I think about it, McDonough went on to Monday Night Football after working with me. Greasy and Levy are going to my, Monday Night Football after leaving me. I'm going to have to talk to them about that. I, I feel like I've I've, uh, I've helped their careers or either that or they just had to get away. But uh, yeah, it could I, be that I've, I have, I'm very fortunate. I've been bumped up or transitioned to, um, to working with Sean McDonough again and uh, Todd Blackledge on that number two game, which is, which is huge. I've always wanted to be part of the college football playoff and we'll have, we'll have one of those games and do the national championship on the radio and all that. So, I'm hoping we, we have the season, obviously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If we don't, then then hopefully I still have the gig a year from now. We'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, hey, look, man, I appreciate it. And uh, you know how badly I, I hope I get to see you out there on the sideline pretty soon. So Yeah, uh, always. I'll talk to you soon. Before we get to Seth Curry of the Mavs, I want to remind you that Hawthorne uh gets it done when it comes to taking care of your bathroom. I'm serious. Uh the bathroom has been much better now um since uh the two colognes that they sent me and i just i'm at a loss i'm like gosh what do i want to do today which which version of these pheromones do i want to release and uh hawthorne you know they put you through the quiz they try to figure out where your where your mind's at with all this stuff and the next thing you know it's deodorant deodorant's great too by the way um Facial wash, whole deal. You guys know. You guys have been to the bathroom before. You know what I'm talking about. If you want to find a different scent that makes you feel like you, you need to check out Hawthorne with just one quick two-minute quiz. Hawthorne will tell you the two colognes that are best for you. Um, One that works for work and the other one for play. Get it? It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Um, just the other day, I was walking down the street in Manhattan Beach and in, there was a supermodel and I think she crossed the street because she was checking me out or there's a sushi place there that's really good. We No one will ever know the answer, but I could tell when I walked past her, she was like, man, that guy smells so good if he didn't have terrible hair. Maybe we'd be getting sushi together right now. Yeah, so all this stuff's really nice. It all smells really good, and it's not one of those deals where you order up and you're kind of like lying to yourself a little bit like, hey, I spent a little money on this. Does it really smell good? It does. It smells good. So here's what you need to do. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and use my promo code Ryan RyanRusillo.com. That's R Y E N R U S S I L L O to get ten percent off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne, H A W T H O R N E dot C O. Use my code Ryan Russillo to get ten percent off your purchase. That's Hawthorn Co. So, what's this been like? What has surprised you about the bubble experience?
2: Um, honestly, how much how much money the NBA got? They they put it together <laughs> real fast. Um, Everything's, I mean, really accommodating, did a great job. Obviously, everybody was suspect. when We first got here talking about the food and, and just being stuck in a hotel for a couple of days. But once we got out of that first quarantine, it's been cool, man. It's been pretty seamless. It's kind of like a little AU tournament for everybody. Just play basketball, go to
0: your room, hang out and, and try to try to take care of business. What's your day like then? What's an off day like?
2: off day i've been playing a lot of golf so they got like three golf courses set up for us so i i get out with uh either coach jj Berea, a couple of our other coaches we get out play golf in the morning get some treatment and just hang out in the room or about a pool and try to that those off days go by slow man so i um, kind of want to get back in the gym
0: when there's all these different players around and you know everybody's different do you do you reach out to other guys that you're friends with that you've known for a long time to the basketball world? Like, is it, is it cool to go meet up with other guys in another team and socialize with them?
2: Uh, honestly, not. That's not what I've seen. Uh, I've seen guys kind of hang out with their own team, um, do their own thing, obviously. If you're at the pool and you see other teams at the pool, you'll you know, chat with them for a little bit, kick it. But for me, I'm really, I'm either in the room or at practice, in the meal room, one of those three places and kind of keep it to myself.
0: I uh, I love watching your team play, and you know I love your story that I want to get to here in a second. But as you've run through this, and we, we knew you guys are going to be in the playoffs, and and you're kind of looking at your matchups, and is is your team in a spot right now, Seth, where you feel like okay, we know exactly who we are. It's the best offense in the NBA. Clearly, there's some struggles there defensively, but are you? Totally convinced of who you are because I think some of these teams they enter their playoffs are still a little confused on on who they actually will be once they start this week.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, for a young team and uh, having a young couple stars in KP and Luca we have a pretty good identity of who we are. We, I mean, we're off the team first. We had the best offense in the league and pretty much NBA history before the shutdown. So we know, I mean, we're kind of trying to come in, kind of trying to outscore people, but if we can string a, a couple little stretches of, of good stops in, we feel like we can be anybody. So We have that confidence when we step on the floor. That I mean, we've proven no team in in the league can really stop us from from scoring a lot of points every night. So that gives us a great chance to
0: beat anybody. Now you, offensively, I think you're a big team. It's it's funny because people could talk about how everybody sizes down and teams play small and go five out you're a big team at so many positions and you still play five out. Can you explain to like some of us that just watch, what are some of the similarities of what you do offensively and some of the differences between, cause it can look like Houston at times, but I understand conceptually there's different things that you do.
2: Yeah, we, um, I mean, we got KP. So that nobody in the league got a guy like KP that can, can, can defend the, the rim and guard fives on defense, but in on offense plays perimeter, it stretches it out and opens the floor for everybody to drive the ball. So, um we have at all times we pretty much have five guys with maxi and kp out there that can shoot the ball and put the ball on the floor and drive it so um a lot of different guys can make plays even though luca is similar to james harden in the fact that he handles the ball and makes a lot of plays we still have other guys around that that make plays and move the ball and and every once in a while we can throw kp in the post so um we got a lot of different ways we can beat, beat guys offensively and Obviously, Luca bears the biggest load and trying to create plays and make plays for everybody throughout the uh, course of the game.
0: Yeah, Houston feels very stationary off of Harden's movements. Do you feel like you are are moving around a little bit more on the perimeter than say Houston is?
2: Yeah, we we have. I feel like we got maybe more plays and, and get into offense different ways than than Houston does. I mean, obviously, James is up there playing a lot of ISO. Luca is more of an ISO guy when he has a a mismatch or, or they switch KP on a ball screen. But I mean, James will come down and just ISO anybody in front of him. So um, I think that's the biggest
0: difference. What's your favorite part of playing with Luca?
2: Uh, just the joy he plays with, man. He, he's a young kid. And he you could tell when he gets out on the floor, he just loves the game. So it's similar to honestly, it's similar to Steph in a lot of senses where he just out there having a lot of fun and he puts on a show and, and you can tell he's, he, like I say, he's loving the game and loving playing. And obviously, I love. I mean, he gets a lot of attention. that can can pass the ball and get it to me in spots where I don't even realize I'm open. But um, I mean, he's
0: he's special already. Yeah, that's a good point about you. Maybe not realizing that he sees you. Is it did yeah. it take a little bit longer to understand that you can almost never give up on possession with him? Because it, it I think it takes some getting used to if you're another player going. Oh, he's still like this play's still alive. Where other guys at certain points are like, okay, I'm not getting the ball.
2: I mean, I noticed it last year playing against him and just watching him that he he can make passes just being 6'8 and big that most point guards can't make. So if I'm in the opposite corner and I'm a little bit guarded, he can look a certain way and throw it all the way across the floor where I just got to be ready at all times to to be able to shoot it or make a play when I catch it. So um, it's definitely a, a learning experience playing with him. But, I mean, he, he, he creates so many uh, opportunities for other guys that it's,
0: it makes our job easy. He's pretty intense too. I, I, I think sometimes when guys are young, you, the, the rest of the league can be surprised. But when you're that good, it's like, okay, well, it doesn't matter that you're intense. What What is it about his personality? Like something that people don't know, something that you've learned. Like if your friends ask you about him, a good Lucas story.
2: Uh, I mean, obviously, you see all the trick shots and and that stuff he does. He, he's a kid, so he he's playing around all day. And I think that allows him to come in the game and just feeling free. He never, I haven't seen him really feel nervous once. You know what I'm saying? He's a competitor. And playing a lot of big games overseas, the NBA is just another game for him. So um that's one thing I'm looking forward to about this playoffs. I know one thing, he's not going to be afraid
0: out there. He's not going to be timid. and um That gives our whole team confidence. Your story, uh, I think people know it now. And in the beginning, it was, okay, Liberty, what were you, a two-star in some rankings? <laughs> Man, I don't, even, I don't even know if I was
2: that. I was a two or a three in, in North Carolina. So
0: I found you as a two uh, and a three in, in some of them. So you go to Liberty. <laughs> And then yeah. it's like, oh, you know, maybe you can play. And I don't know if sometimes people are like, hey, they underestimated Steph. So maybe we're doing the same thing. You go to Duke, you put a big numbers there, then you're undrafted, and then it's the G League. And then you get would you get cut the day you made your NBA debut or the day after?
2: Um, so I had a I was in a D League, like I got a 10 day with Cleveland.
0: That was your NBA played, debut,
2: right? One game. Yeah, my debut. Yeah, one game. I played one game in Cleveland, didn't really get a chance. It took me a couple of years to actually get a chance to to show what I can do at the NBA level. So I mean, that's been my story at every level. I Had to prove myself um, and and just try to make an impact every time I got on the floor. And it's been a it's been a crazy
0: journey. It really like there are guys that are like, oh hey, you know, this guy got better. But when you consider out of high school, no major programs, then Duke gives you the shot, and then it's still not good enough. And I can go back and look at it and remember what I saw. Where I go, I, I don't. I just don't know. Like I don't know. I mean, your your brother's an incredible player, so that wasn't a fair comparison. But. Did you know the whole time? Was there was there a light switch moment for you as a player, or was it you fighting the doubt, knowing deep down what you're doing now is something you were always going to do?
2: I mean, in high school, I felt like I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really under recruited I wasn't that good. I had a lot of stuff to get better at. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people say I was underrated or, or um looked down on, but I wasn't I wasn't that good until so I really got to liberty my freshman year. Got a lot better and I got that confidence where I could be on the floor with feel like I'd be on the floor with anybody and I could I'd be good so I think once I got to Duke and got to the league I feel like I just needed the opportunity and I was good enough to to figure it out um at every level i maybe got off to a slow start but I always figured it out and be one of the best guys on the floor so um I was just trying to hopefully get that opportunity being a draft in the league that's one of the hardest things because you can be good but you might never get that opportunity nobody really invested in you with a draft pick to throw you out on the floor so I was hoping I got the opportunity, and it finally came to Sacramento, and, I, and I, I was prepared for it.
0: So do you feel like when you – because those that may have forgotten, you obviously know, Memphis one game, Cleveland one game, Phoenix two games. Those are your first two years in the career going back and forth, and I know you're putting up G League numbers, but sometimes like I'll look at the G League numbers and go, okay, it feels like everybody yeah. scores like crazy in that league. But Sacramento wasn't a surprise to you is, is what you're telling me. Like This was just, hey, finally, I got some minutes here.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, like you don't know in G League, a lot of guys score. It's a fast-paced league and people get comfortable, but you don't know if it's going to translate to the NBA. So uh, for me, I was focusing on if I, I mean, I know I should have shot the ball well. If I shot a high clip once I got to the league, I I knew that would translate no matter what. If I make open shots, I know I can uh, use my three ball to create off the dribble. And if I do those two things consistently in the league, that I'll be fine. So like I said, I was making that wait for the opportunity. and. I
0: always had confidence that,
2: um, once I got the opportunity, I'll be
0: fine. Because I know when you've had some, I think it was with Sacramento, the first time you might've had a player option on the second year yeah. and you turned it down. So what kind of conversations were you having either with your agent and then through your agent with front office people going, okay, we're ready to take you seriously and here, give you a chance.
2: Yeah. In Sacramento. So like, it kind of helped us out. We were so bad. I got an opportunity that second year to just
0: the guys that's were how, sitting out and we were kind of That's how chinking. I started my career. <laughs> we was, yeah, was we were so
2: bad. Station was they, terrible. They threw me out there. Yep. They threw me out there. And uh, like I said, I had a good like 20, 25 game stretch of just being consistent and, and, and playing well. And I knew the whole league was, was taking notice of it. So I finally have an opp- opportunity to, to be a free agent and, and have a few options and make a little bit of money. So, um, Swear, after that year in Sacramento, I knew I would have a decent career. How bored is your brother right now? Oh, my God. He's, he, when I talked to him, I, he did not want to say it, but I, I can tell he's hurting right now. He's, it's tough for him to watch, I
0: know. I don't know if you know how, how much of a Steph defender I've been over the years. I, I doubt it comes up <laughs> a lot at the holidays, uh, but I have been. And maybe because just early on, I was like, wait, wait, this might be this might be, like, really special. Um, but I also have a theory that because he's undersized, maybe it's because your dad played, that there seems to be sometimes, like, resentment from other stars in the league. Have you have you ever picked up on that? That For whatever reason, I don't know the right way to phrase it, but I almost feel like he's one of the most disrespected stars when he has the resume that would back up any claim of him being one of the best players.
2: Yeah, I see it. I think most people see it, his teammates. I mean, I think Andre Gadala has said it. Uh, a couple of times that he he sees the resentment and kind of the hate, but what you're going to do, I think it's maybe because all those factors you said, and then a guy his size and the stuff he does, maybe it's not supposed to be as dominant as he is uh, consistently, but like I said, he, he enjoys the game.
0: He has fun with it. And um, I mean, it's just part of it. Does he watch these games? Does he talk with you about them the whole time? Because, I mean, I can't, this must be a bit of a role reversal where you're still playing, he's not, and yeah. he. I don't know if... like Some guys are wired differently. Like, hey, I'll let me know when the season starts next year. I have no interest in this, and other guys are just hooked on
2: it. Yeah, I don't know. I know he watches our games. I don't know if he's watching a majority of the games. Like me, if I'm at home, I'm watching every game. Him, he's not... He hasn't been that type in the past, but, I mean, he hasn't been around in the game in so long. Who knows if he's locked in or not, but... Um yeah, like I said, it's tough on them to to not be at home right now. And it's usually this time of year, I'm in the stands watching him. And uh he said he's gonna be on the little virtual screen, come playoff
0: time to watch us and, and our crowd. So I'm I'm gonna see if he's there. Now, because this this game has become shooting and, and somebody like you is now gonna be in the career, like I almost sent you a note going, Hey, I'm really happy for you and, and now like whatever it's gonna be, you're gonna be playing in this league a long time. It's just we we both know that you probably feel like, hey, I could probably do even a little bit more. Is, is that a struggle where you go, okay, I know Luca's is always going to have the ball, however the rotations work out. There's guys that we've seen play that you're like, you look like a completely different guy in a pickup game than you do when you actually yeah. play in a real game. So how much more growth is there for your game, which you know, doesn't necessarily need to grow that much to keep getting paid, but I imagine there's moments where you go, I could actually initiate more of this offense, but I'm not used that way.
2: Uh, for me I mean I feel like I mean everybody wants some a time to have a bigger role but for me just growing up around the league and having a dad that I did who played 16 years just being a six man or a role guy I got a lot of respect for the guys that played 10 plus years and just in that role just stick to it um sometimes it's harder to just stick to a role for that long and be comfortable and compliment stars and and just like do your job for a long time so like I said I'm comfortable where I'm at I like I mean, playing my role, but also having the capability to to stand in when guys are hurt and make plays for a certain amount of stretch and have a bigger role. But um for me, um I, I kinda uh had to go to play 10 plus years and and no matter what it is, I feel like I mean I don't have the bite out of the size or whatever it is to, to be a star in this league for that long. So I kinda embrace who I am and and trying to, to, to make a uh it last for a long time.
0: Do you pay any attention to the all-time career leader in three-point shooting, or is it just us guys that bring it up to you all the time? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's you guys that <laughs> let me know. I don't, I don't really watch the stats like that, but I, from what I know, I'm second right now. You are second. You uh, you dropped a little bit behind Steve Kerr, which again, the only reason I think I saw it again because I remember when it first happened because we would have debates on the old radio show about who was a better shooter than Steph, and I just said, look, I Kyle Korver <laughs> can have better numbers, but Kyle Corver doesn't take the same shots as Steph. Like, to be the best shooter, like, don't tell me because you're buried, like, you're just married to that corner three that your percentage is yeah. better. Like, there's just different levels to shooting where I just don't think it's all percentages now, anyway.
2: Yeah. I have our beat, our beat guys that come up to me and say, Do you, do you brag to Steph that you hired him on the all time NBA three point percentage list? I'm like, man, he's made probably a thousand more threes than me in, in his career. So that's not really something I want to bring up at the dinner table right now.
0: <laughs> See, look at that. Because like a, uh, <laughs> a lot of guys wouldn't even concede any of that kind of stuff. Um, I've got yeah. a couple quick ones for you here, but I, I wanted to ask you two more. What did you guys learn about the Clippers in those losses in the regular season that you can maybe use once you match up here in the playoffs?
2: Uh, we've had some good moments against them. Obviously, they, they beat us, what, three or four times now. But um, I mean, they're a great team, a talented team. But we've been close pretty much every time except one, we've been close to to knocking them off. and I mean, this is a whole different situation, a whole different um, set of circumstances. Not everybody's playing well. They're not playing their best. We're not playing our best. So, um, like I said, we have a lot of confidence that if we go in there doing what we do, it's going to be hard to stop us. And we just got to figure out our fourth quarter woes and we'll be fine, man. We've we, we blown so many games down the stretch that um, we got to get over that hump.
0: Yeah, the Milwaukee game was like, okay. Because I, when I... Now, I don't follow all thirty teams the same way the fan bases do. But when I saw the close loss number, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like it's yeah. It's we ter- should have, what, what happened. We,
2: um, it's been a lot of those this year, man. We should have probably seven, eight, nine more wins than we do just based on the way we played and how we finished games. But I mean, that's just part of it. Having a young a young core of guys trying to figure out um as they go along. Having Luke and KP um get their feet under them as as stars, and I think shows so we got a lot of potential to get better and. And really um, make a, a long run these next few years.
0: Does it suck? I mean, you might not want to admit this because they're the competition, but does it does it suck getting into a switch where you're like, all right, I Paul George. Oh, cool. <laughs> now I have Kawhi on me. Oh, cool. Now it's Patrick <laughs> Beverly. I mean, that's gotta be like, uh, this isn't this is I think I'd rather have that Lillard Grayson Allen ISO that we saw at the end of the game.
2: It's a it's a challenge, man. It's a challenge. You you kind of look forward to that. I mean, you you know, it's like it's one of the best teams in the league. They got a lot of, a lot of talent on both ends of the floor and, and individual um, defensive talent like you, like you name those guys. But I mean, when you step on the floor, that's what the playoffs is all about. It's about uh, you're playing against the best teams and they don't have a lot of weak links. So it's a challenge you, you accept and you're ready to get through. And you know, if we get to that second round, we're really gonna have to earn it.
0: Okay, five questions. We can we can go rapid fire. Take as long as you want. Uh, who would you rather room with on the road, Prazingas or Luca?
2: Oh man. I think KP KP a little chill, a little bit more laid back like me. I know Luca's right next to me actually. Yeah, I hear his music all the time blasting a little
0: what's he got um, going on? Re-
2: the reggaeton, Spanish music. I hear I hear it every morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, guys that like music, it's cool. Like everybody likes music, but there's time you go, all right. Um yeah. I remember this is a little old for you, but I went to a basketball camp when I was like a sophomore in high school, a couple camps. And this one in particular, my roommate played um, that that crisscross thing. Oh, the yeah. Playground. And he but he kept the CD shuffle. It was he like one of those CD man deal, disc man. And he just yeah. kept it on repeat. And that's how we went to bed every night. And I was like, are you serious with this? The and same like, just, song? The same song. It was like torture. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, that's rough.
0: In case you wanted to tell anybody my basketball camp stories, which I doubt you do. All right, next one. When your brother is making the money he's making, and you're working your way up, can you ask him for money for like something serious, or does does he is that even a conversation you can have, or is that even an a question I shouldn't even ask? I'm asking it, and maybe I'm a jerk for asking, but I think it's something that's fascinated me.
2: Um, I've never really asked him for money. I'm, I mean, I'm lucky enough to not have to right now, but. Um, <laughs> G I, League, I go to him ask, I, yeah. I, oh, and the G League. Um, nah, I mean, I, most of the stuff I ask them for is like connections. Like, can you hook me up? Can you get some people to give me tickets to this? Or, you know, what I'm
0: saying, can you give me the the new um Callaway driver or something like that? You know, that's fair. Look at that. Yeah, because I would always <laughs> wonder, like, if I were a Max guy and my brother were in the G League, would I get him a car or something? But then I'd be like, I don't know, I don't know. I I would yeah, think I did. probably would. I'm pretty good with my siblings, but I I didn't know how that dynamic works with you guys. Now you don't need it, so who cares? Yeah. Okay, um, Rick Carlisle, does he hate everyone? <laughs> uh, it looks like it, but he's
2: actually a, a cool dude, man. He's chill. We play a lot of golf together now. He's we got more comfortable with each other. It's just, matter once you figure out his personality, then it's a lot easier.
0: Uh, what was it like when Clay's brother was your backcourt mate in the G League? <laughs> what, were the, what were those? Would you guys sit up like stepbrother style being like, man, that was awesome. Did you see those guys? That's such a weird thing that your yeah. your Clay's you know Clay's guy was your backcourt guy too. Yeah, that was a crazy little coincidence. Um, but it, I mean, it was, it was a fun
2: time. We were having fun getting a lot of minutes down in the G League in Santa Cruz. Um, I forgot what we had. They had a little nickname for us. Yeah, I was um, trying I, to figure that out. What was it? I Forgot what it was. It was like it was obviously a play on the Splash Brothers, but it was yeah. like kind of disrespectful.
0: At Not the, the same Trash time. Brothers no 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 it was like that's too much yeah that's that's too negative
2: yeah like the i don't know it wasn't baby splash splash but it was better than that but it was kind of disrespectful but funny at the same time so
0: well um, no one has that disrespect for you anymore man i'm re- i'm really happy for you your story and, and i do love watching the Mavs play so uh let's see how the bubble goes man with the playoffs and takes a lot of the time yes sir yes i sir. appreciate it FanDuel Sportsbook has an amazing NBA playoffs offer for all new customers, plus two thousand on any team in the playoffs to make the NBA finals. So it doesn't matter if it's the Bucks, the Lakers, the Nets; it's plus two thousand on everyone. They don't even have to win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Be sure to sign up with the promo code Ryan so they know that I sent you. Okay, so there's a new FanDuel contest every day. Uh, on all the playoff games and it's only a five dollar entry fee per contest so if you win a contest you get a ticket to the leaderboard series during the nba finals where all the winners will compete for a share of fifty thousand dollars in cash ringer swag and to be deemed the sole survivor of the ultimate hoops ringer challenge i would have to imagine 50k is a little bit bigger than the t-shirts but we have great t-shirts too learn more and enter at fanduel.com forward slash hoops ringer Age and location restrictions apply. Must be 21 or older. Present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, West Virginia, or Indiana. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. That's a max bonus of $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
1: You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: All right, here we go. Um, this is from Tom says, life advice for a comparative monster, and then he said he did that just to get noticed. Well, congrats, Tom. Uh, that worked. Hey, I'm a normal guy. I'm 22. Just graduated with a finance degree from a great university. Just got a full-time job in Austin, Texas, doing consulting work for a smaller accounting firm. My question is about comparing myself to my friends. I have a friend who's a full-time job at a big bank in investment banking. He also has an acceptance letter for an MBA program at, uh, well, I guess he's saying it's either an Ivy or Stanford or maybe he has I don't think it's both, but he's, all right, so this guy is going to get into a big-time NBA program. Um, it's always tough for me to look at him and just imagine if I worked harder, I could be there. How do you deal with looking around at your friends and peers, seeing where they are versus where you are versus where you could have been? Uh, this is actually a pretty good question because, um, you know, you can waste a lot of time worrying about other people, and I know uh, I've had my moments, especially in this business, where I'm like, well, how come this guy's got a show, or you know, what what's going on here? Um, it it generally is a waste of time. It just is uh, because the other thing too. Look, there's so many times, especially when you're younger, uh, there's so much. There's gonna be so much of your time when you're younger, and we we've, we've touched on this before. Where you think you're so far behind all these other guys, and you know what, you know what, uh, a move, uh, a change of career, you know, next thing you know, it isn't it doesn't feel like this guy's crushing it anymore. And you know, that part kind of sucks though too, because you don't want to be a guy who like is rooting against your own friends. Okay. And you know, if you're sitting here at 22, 23 saying, Oh, if I could have worked hard, I could have, well, you didn't, you didn't, he did. And you know, maybe you're still really, really young. So it's not like you're on these different paths where, where your lives are going to be completely different, but um there's there's something to be said of be being competitive, and yes, I would like to be doing <laughs> better than everybody. I guess is, is the way you you look at it, but i don't wake up going i've got to crush everyone, I have to be better than everybody oh i can't believe so and so made all this money. And I didn't like, I've done that in the past, and it's just a total fucking waste of time. And honestly, people kind of get turned off uh, by you saying it because I've, I've brought it up a couple times with different work stuff, and, and it's not too hard to figure out at ESPN because a lot of us on air would be very competitive and looking around at other people. We hear rumors about somebody else's deal. And, you know, it's one thing to think it, but then it's another to say it where I'm like, hey, actually, that guy sucks. And, uh, yeah, I should be making more money than him. I mean, you may think that on the ride home, but, uh, yeah, If you start saying that stuff out loud, your your friends might get down on you. I remember we had a friend in college who ended up not getting his degree. And he's he's a great guy, great friend. But he had said something one time where, and it was a really good point, but it just sounded bad, where I was behind. I ended up getting my degree a little bit later on, but I was going to get it. And we were watching all of our friends who we just assumed were just as dumb as us. Like, they got through it. They showed up four years prior, eight semesters, and they got their college degree. And for some of them, you're like, I can't believe this guy ever graduated. And you you just, one of my friends, this this kid was like, you know, I almost think less of it watching this happen. And I went, wow. I go, so you, you're not getting a degree and these guys are, but you're kind of like dumping on them for getting it. And I totally got his point. His point was a really good one, but I'll never forget it because he said it. He said it out loud and you're thinking, how could you say that when you didn't do it? And that's something you always have to be careful of. Like, we're all keeping track and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, to, to be somebody who is always going to be keeping track of it. You're going to want to grow out of that at some point. I mean, unless you just are totally driven, are are you only driven by your friend's success? So if one of your friends starts doing better, does it mean you're going to start doing better? Like that shouldn't be the stuff that motivates you. You should be motivated on your own. Um, so there you go. Okay. Uh, this is, this is a good one. It's a neighbor deal. All right. Life advice about a neighbor. I live in a suburb of Chicago in a complex of 20 townhouses with a central courtyard. My wife and I are in our mid thirties. Most of our families are in the complex in the thirties to forties range. We don't have kids, but many of the families have smaller children. Everybody in the complex is for the most part friendly and cordial. I'm social with the other guys, but wouldn't normally hang out with the majority of them if they weren't neighbors. Uh, A couple of months ago, we started a boys whiskey night where the guys would all congregate with lawn chairs in the courtyard to hang out away from the kids and family we do it on a weekend night once every few weeks it's a great time to shoot the shit with the other guys in the complex we have a text thread to coordinate it um and every guy is included this past week we started pitching the idea of another boys night on friday night everybody's confirming this date works well and nobody is objecting friday comes along and we start texting confirmation that we will meet around 8 30. everybody gives the thumbs up but our one neighbor ap chimes in quick backstory on ap he's late 30s guy with a five-year-old son two-year-old daughter he's quite a bit socially awkward and definitely revolves his life around his kids at the last whiskey night he came 30 minutes late and immediately told everyone to move 20 feet over because the grass was still damp from his impromptu pool party earlier in the day he's a good guy means no harm but he has uh zero social awareness anyway all the guys confirm that 8:30 works well for whiskey night ap then texts me that he's going to a kids movie he's going to do a kids movie night in the courtyard which will push back whiskey night at least an hour shortly after this text he sends an email to the entire complex inviting all the kids and family to the courtyard for a movie night this doesn't sit well with me Um, I am an orthopedic surgeon on call Saturday and Sunday. I wasn't going to be able to stay out late to begin with. And now we won't be able to participate at all. My issue is that AP knew from the previous text throughout the week about whiskey night yet still organizes an impromptu movie night that directly interferes. Do we need to be confrontational with this guy or just talk it up to a lack of social awareness? My big fear is that this will continue to happen if we don't speak up. And I don't want want to be the childless asshole complaining about kid stuff. That's a very good uh, final sentence there. I would let him get this one and then if it happens again, then you get a say something um because he's either sabotaging the thing that the majority wants which isn't going to work or he just he doesn't really get it and you've you've tipped us off to a couple of these these social deals i had a place very much like this when i lived in connecticut there's a central courtyard of the whole thing and when i had the kentucky derby party that was basically you know mostly work people and and everybody i'd known in connecticut and it's probably the only party. It was good i actually put some effort into it bartender cordials many mixed drinks all sorts of options and it was catered affair and then we had that step and repeat i didn't even know what the hell that was called until one of the women were like yeah no we need a step and repeat i was like for what like something to take pictures in front of i was like well can't can we just take a picture in front of stuff they're like no uh red carpet whole deal It was really good it worked out great It was a good party and we rented a pony so sarah walsh wanted a pony At the Kentucky Derby party, and when the pony showed up with the pony handlers, and just so you could have your picture taken with the pony, nobody was riding the thing, it was just in the backyard of my house in this courtyard, all of these people started coming out and looking at the pony, and there was one guy that was mad that I didn't get permission from the I don't know who the hell I was supposed to ask for permission for the pony. I don't know what the paperwork is on that kind of thing. And what it really was is that it was a bunch of adults having a party with a pony, and I wasn't going to start letting every kid come over to play with the pony because then I knew it was going to turn into a thing. And so we were like, look, whoever's in the party... Get their picture taken with the pony, but you can't. So then, kids were on like back decks of other units, like looking at the pony. And so, basically, that was screwing up their deal because the kids probably wanted to come over and look at the pony. I, no one ever asked me, nobody ever said, Hey, can I bring my kid over? I didn't have to have that conversation. But what happened was, is that one of the parents later on decided to try to go and complain about me to everybody in the complex to be like, Can you believe that guy brought a pony? It was the middle of the day, by the way, and the party was over early. And, um, people were like, no, he's awesome. Like he's great. And he never has people over ever. And good for him. Like they all got dressed up. It looks like he did a great job at the party. And like, who cares? The pony was there for an hour, just walking in circles, getting pictures taken. And it was just so funny to see all of this backfiring on him because all of the neighbors who liked me were saying, yeah, this guy was trying to complain about you the whole time. He's like trying to get this momentum built up around you. And so from that point on, I was like, okay, I never want anything to do with this guy. So Because they are your neighbors, you have to be a little delicate with this. Um, I don't know that you have to go and organize everybody, but you're right. Like he just decided to mess up whiskey night, boys' night, because he wants uh, the movie deal out in the courtyard. Um, And he's either really nasty about it or he's completely oblivious. And I don't know the answer. And you probably get to give him a pass on the first one and hope you get an answer if he ever does it again. Because if he does it again, then you're going to have your answer. Okay. So uh, we got Mike Vick this week and could have somebody else i may just put them on the same one i'm not sure i may move it back out um but that's uh that's what we're doing so enjoy the playoffs and we'll talk to you on thursday please subscribe to the ryan rissolo podcast the Ringer podcast network and talk to you a couple days